With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. the underdog podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to the underdog podcast CUSA edition. Jill Lundergan and Eric Henry here with you on underdogdynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, We have another special guest joining the show today to discuss the Conference USA landscape. Uh, She's the assistant director of multimedia at Conference USA. You have also probably seen her as a, as a host and reporter for CUSA Sports on CUSA.TV, ESPN3, Stadium, a bunch of other places. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show today, uh, Ms. Maddie Morris. Thanks so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as we kind of slug through this off season here, it's uh, you know it's never it's never hard to look forward towards football season. So hopefully we'll we'll have some good questions for you here to kind of pick your brain about that. But um, you know we were kind of mentioning talking about it before we started recording. Um, you just kind of got through the tail end of the college sports season as a whole with track and softball and baseball wrapping up. Uh, how's it feel now that you have a little room to breathe? It's nice um, to be able to kind of take a breath and a lot of people in our offices will go on vacation in June and July just to kind of get their mind right for the next year. But um, I'm kind of the type of person when I I, I like being busy, Uh, I like being able to go to games or events. So it's a little a little different for me to now just be sitting in my office as opposed to being out on one of our campuses or at one of our sporting events. But it's it's a well-deserved, well-needed um, but I'm ready to get back out there this fall. Awesome. I think we're all ready for that to start out too. And for it to, for it to cool down a little bit. It's getting a little too hot for me. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Eric Henry, how are you doing today, bud? <laughs> I'm doing all right, Joe. You know, I, this is typically the, the portion of the podcast where I give you a hard time about weather, but uh, as I talked to Maddie off here, she's having a, a little bit of rainstorm down there, which is, you know, kind of typical for this time of the year. And I uh, am currently in the midst of a, just a random monsoon. I was planning on taping on my balcony, but uh, as it goes down here in South Florida, one minute it's sunny and next minute it's rainy. So outside of that, I can't complain. I'm just happy to be uh, joining my uh, BFF once again on the podcast. <laughs> You're sweet. Um, with that, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and dive into the reason everybody kind of came here. And that's, of course, uh, the football talk. But um, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about our guests as we go along. And Eric, I understand you kind of wanted to start off the, the, the line of questioning or the interrogation, as it were. <laughs> Maddie, I promise it won't be an interrogation, although it may Interrogation, oh no. <laughs> You're on the hot seat now, right? <laughs> I'm not asking the questions, I'm answering them. <laughs> no, so the first question we have for you is pretty straightforward. Uh, what does a day in the life of Maddie Morris look like? Oh, well, that's 
That's a tough question. It kind of depends on the type of year um, and the, ty- the time of year, I guess. Uh, generally, I come into our office, um, you know, I work almost regular 8.30 to 5 hours. But in terms of what I do is probably different. I'm not looking at Excel spreadsheets. I'm not making calls. I get to kind of go through what's going on on social media. I get to go through a lot of our video footage that we've gotten from some of our TV partners, um, from some of our schools, and try to come up with cool, creative things that I think our fans and our student-athletes and our coaches um, and, you know, pretty anyone, anyone who's associated with Conference USA would want to see and would like to engage with on social media. So I do a lot of um, creative thinking and brainstorming, which, you know, if people walk by and it doesn't look like I'm doing anything, I always just say, oh, I'm just brainstorming. I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't really need to be doing anything physically, but um, I'll do that. I also get to um, go out to our campuses, our locations a lot, probably more than almost anyone in our office, um, just because of my role in terms of being, like you guys said earlier, the on-camera host um, and kind of the personality of the league. I get to go out and do interviews with our student-athletes and coaches and administrators. Um, I get to go and attend our championships. I get to go and watch big games that are happening, whether that be, you know, a Shula Bowl between FIU and FAU or when, you know, North Texas travels to Arkansas. Um, so it's kind of a, a mixture between working at a TV station and going out to somewhere new every day and a desk job, if that makes sense. Um, I guess it's kind of a combination of everything. I just get to chill sometimes and sometimes I don't. <laughs> so we're going to get to some of your travels in a second, but the next question I've got for you, is, and you kind of touched on it, you do a fair amount of work with social media, obviously for the conference. And, and once again, I'm going to put you on the, on the spot here. Which fan bases do you get the most feedback or interaction from? Um, well, I would like to think that all of our fans are engaging with all of the content we are creating. Some are um, a little better than others. It kind of, a lot of it also depends on how well um, the team is doing throughout the course of the year, or I guess the content we're putting out. Generally, uh, Marshall fans are very interactive, um, and Southern Miss fans are very interactive on social media. I think a lot of that has to do with um, them being in smaller towns and kind of the whole town gets to buy into their athletics because they're kind of the big, big things happening in Huntington and in Hattiesburg. Um, So they always are very good at engaging. Um, You know, when we have a situation like the North Texas fair catch, fake fair catch and everything, their fans went crazy when we put out stuff like that. Or when they had the half court buzzer beater during our basketball championship, you know, their, their fans are always very engaging. Um, Obviously, a couple of years ago when Florida Atlantic had their very good football season, their fans were all over Twitter. So it's hard to say that one is better than the other. Um, it just kind of depends on the season and how well the teams are doing. And that's part of my job, too, is we try to capitalize on the highs that some of our teams are having and the big events that happen so that we can get the good engagement from all of our fans. Maddie is clearly a professional at this, as she skillfully navigated that question, because I tried to turn her down into, into, uh, into answering which fan base, but, but she, she, she gave the, the skillfully navigated answer, unlike Joe and I, who are not professionals, and when we get uh, 
feedback from Southern Miss fans or North Texas fans or yeah. uh, insert uh, programs fans who don't like our opinions. We're, we're not as, as, uh, as <laughs> we're not that skilled at, at, you know, crafting our answers. So uh, great job on your part, Matt. Uh, we're going to go, go um, on the field here and talk about last football season. Uh, what were some of your favorite moments? And I, I should have specified this in our communication prior, but what were some of your favorite moments last football season on the field? On the field, um, me being on the field or just things that I saw that happened on the field? The things that you saw on the field. The things that I saw on the field. Um, well, one, like I mentioned earlier, North Texas, their fake fair catch that went viral everywhere. That was obviously amazing to see. And then just them kind of whooping up on Arkansas the whole time. I mean, we were confident. I was confident in North Texas, and I knew Arkansas was kind of having, you know, a little bit of a rebuilding with their new head coach and everything, but I didn't think they were going to go into Fayetteville and destroy them like they did. So that was really cool and fun to watch, and especially coming from an SEC school, I went to Mizzou, and it almost seems now like sometimes I pull more for my underdogs as opposed to being like all SEC. Um, so it, it was nice to see them win that game and obviously the fake fair catch, which got so much publicity from everyone. I mean, I think the Keegan Brewer was on Sports Center a couple times. I think they may have even talked to like the coach who drew up the play. So that was cool. Um, another big, awesome um Thing that I saw too, which just actually got recognition for today for being nominated for an SB for the biggest upset, um, was when Old Dominion beat uh, 13th ranked Virginia Tech at home. Um, I I'm very lucky that I get to go out to our schools and meet a lot of our coaches and interact with them at our football media days and everything. And Bobby Wilder is one of my favorite people just in the world because he is always so optimistic and so positive and so. Um, he just loves loves what he does, and so just kind of with having some of the, um, I guess, hiccups that they've had the last couple of years or even, even this year in general, um, being able to kind of have a nationally ranked team, Power 5 team come in and then beat them and um, our our good friend of Conference USA, Carter Blackburn, was doing the call for CBS for that, and I think he was losing his voice because he was so excited and kept getting so energetic with all the calls and everything. So um, that was also a really cool moment to see. And then just kind of UAB's whole season. Uh, I was very fortunate. And two years ago, I got to go to their first game back when they played Alabama A&M in Birmingham and seeing kind of the support that the whole city gave them. And, you know, another, another great coach, Bill Clark, he's a great person, great human being. Um, wanted to do things the right way and bring the program back and, you know, have the kids have the experience that they, they wanted and they deserved. And, and to see them, you know, in their second year back in the league, win win the championship was, that was really cool to see. And I mean, even though the game was in Murfreesboro at Middle Tennessee, they still had brought a decent amount of fans there and they rushed the field at the end of the game. They were so excited. So I, I can only imagine what would have happened had the game been in Birmingham. Um, that probably would have been even more just goosebumps and chills for me. Yeah, two of those I actually kind of have a little bit of personal experience with. And covering FIU, I didn't get a chance to see the majority of the Old Dominion upset. However, I caught the tail end in the press box, and it was just kind of phenomenal to see, you know, for Old Dominion fans who had a – 
you know, not the best season. They had kind of a disappointing season, but to be able to take that that game and, and to do that in their home state of Virginia was awesome. And then also for FIU, coming down to the last week of the season, potentially uh, earning that CUSA East Championship, and then they would have made the trip to Birmingham. So that would have been uh, awesome to kind of see UAB take that step uh, and, and contend for a conference title, uh, having brought the program back from where they came from. So uh, all great choices there. The next question I'll run by you is, what was your favorite story or moment from last season? You kind of touched on a few. Um, I'll specify off the field and, and feel free because you've kind of touched on a few right there if you want to uh, use one of those as well. Yeah, so I'll I'll definitely kind of go back on the whole UAB story. Um, I know that a lot of people didn't know what to expect from them this year, or some people may have had higher expectations just because of their situation they were in. They had to kind of get a lot of people from JUCO or they had an older, um, you know, they had kind of an older team coming back from the year prior, but for them to kind of run through the West like they did um, and, you know, they, they held their own against Texas A&M. They didn't win the game, but they, they competed. Um, And for, for them to go 11 and three and, ultimately win the program's first ever bowl game. Um, you know, Coach Bill Clark was named one one of our key, I think he won actually a couple of National Coach of the Year awards just for being able to do what he did. Um, and just from the, the, the whole storyline of, they actually had talked about, you know, when they got rid of football, that was before I was in the league. Um, but when I came, when I started with Conference USA, that fall, or excuse me, I think that spring actually, um, so spring of 2016, I went and talked to Coach Clark, and that was in the very early stages of them building their new facility and trying to recruit and trying to bring in people. And I actually did a feature story on it then in that spring of 2016, just about, you know, where they wanted to be and kind of the steps they were taking and what had happened. And so for me to have done that and seen kind of where they started to then ultimately see them winning the championship just, you know, three, two years later was, you know, that's, that's like, you can't write stories like that. Like that's like a Cinderella story. Um, I hope one day, you know, coach, coach Clark always talks about how he's going to write a book and who's going to star him in the movie. I mean, honestly, I think that it is a story that would be worth telling whether it be a movie or a documentary or a series or something like that. Um, so that was definitely one of my favorite storylines of the year. Also, kind of on the, the tail end or the latter part of our um, football season, we had four four teams um, win bowl games after starting. We had six, six go-to bowls, um, which was not as much as we had the year before. Um, but we had six go to bowls and we started off, uh, unfortunately dropping our first two, but then the next four we had, we, uh, rattled off four straight wins and we actually came away with the, uh, what is it called? The bowl, bowl challenge cup. So we, we, of all the conferences, group of five, power five, um, we ended up having the best winning percentage. So that's something that's kind of cool because, you know, not that we had a super stellar year. Like I said, we had six teams go to bowl games, and I think the previous year we had nine. Just to kind of piggyback off what you were talking about there as far as bowl success, and I had a chance to see one of those up close and personal on FIU down in the Bahamas, so, you know, I won't um, I won't gloat about getting a chance to make that trip. But uh, um, on the field, Maddie, you're, you're, you're an expert. You know, you're down there on the field in the trenches. Uh, what 
teams, or excuse me, which teams and players impressed you last season? Well, first off, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but hey, we'll <laughs> we'll say that this is my these are my opinions. Um, I guess for me, you know, I was trying to you'd give me given me these questions beforehand, so I was trying to think of players that you know I I kind of was surprised by um, last year, and honestly, one is probably uh, FIU's quarterback James Morgan, um, just because he was a transfer and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, they have, they had obviously in my three years prior to watching him last year, they had had Alex Magoo, who was kind of like the staple. He, you know, he, he held that team together. He was the glue and um, to, you know, have someone come in and fill his shoes and replace him. You know, I just didn't know what was going to happen and how they were going to do. And then, like you said, they, they ended up pretty much competing for a spot in the championship game that last weekend. So anything could have happened. Um, but so that he, he really not necessarily surprised me because I didn't know what to expect, but I definitely um, seeing what he was able to do and kind of the shoes and the role he was able to come in and fill was very impressive. Um, another quarterback who kind of stepped in and, I didn't know what to expect was um, Marshall freshman quarterback, Isaiah Green. He, he obviously is a 18 year old, 17, 18 year old kid. So again, filling the shoes of someone who had been there, Chase Linton, who I think is maybe with the chiefs. I think he was drafted by the chiefs. I, he may or may not still be on there on the practice squad, but obviously a very, a very good quarterback and bringing in a freshman to run an offense. I know he had, um, you know, an injury that he was sidelined for some of the season, but he was able to come back at the end and he was able to lead them to a bowl win. So that was, you know, having anyone at that age be able to lead an offense and lead a team to a, a big victory is, you know, awesome to see. And then, you know, J Jalen Ferguson, um, Louisiana Tech, he broke the sack record. He and I, we kind of, not that we knew that he was going to do that, but especially towards the end of the season, we were like, okay, like, when is it going to happen? And it actually happened during their bowl game, their bowl win against Hawaii. So that just being able to see him and, um, you know, see his successes on and off the field and then actually during uh, the draft is when right after the tornado had hit Ruston. And so he was out there not only, you know, waiting in anxiously to see if he was going to be going to the NFL, um, but he was also going to be, you know, trying to help his community rebuild after a huge tornado went through. So I guess that's, that was impressive off the field, I guess you could say, um, not, not, and on the field as well. But um, I guess those, those were three that kind of just came to mind, but you know, all of our, I feel like all of our student athletes do a great job. And I, like I was saying earlier with kind of the North Texas situation is that I know a lot of these kids may or may not have been recruited by, you know, power five schools or by even any other school than the one that they went to at all. Um, so they're kind of always playing with a chip on their shoulder and they're playing as the underdogs. And I love seeing that fight and that fire, whether they're playing each other in conference play or whether they're playing against, you know, a, a power, power five, you know, division one team. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, I mean, once again, you know, Joe and I hosting this podcast, we obviously are champions of Conference USA as a whole. So there wasn't necessarily a wrong choice for that. And personally, (laughs) covering FIU, giving me a chance to talk to James Morgan. We've had James on the podcast, and I get a chance to talk to him on on a regular down here in South Florida. So he's, in addition to being a great player, he's just a great kid on and off the field. Uh, You mentioned Isaiah Green. I got a chance to see him when they came to FIU. He's another success story as well. And and we all expected Jalen Ferguson at some point in time to set the sack record. So all great choices there. Going to transition my final few questions for you. Um, which has been your in, in your travels, which has been or what have been some of your favorite CUSA cities? I don't want to pin you down to just one, but what have been some mm-hmm. of your favorite CUSA cities and why? Well, as we were talking earlier, I'm a Midwest girl and I now live in Dallas, Texas. So I'm clearly trying to get away from um, seasonal cooler weather. So I don't ever mind when I have to make a trip down to FIU or FAU because you are in sunshine and warmth and the beach is right there. Um, I generally don't make it to the beach, but just knowing it's right nearby um, is awesome. I Actually, my first year um, which would have been fall of 2015, our women's soccer championship was down at Florida Atlantic. And it was in probably the first or second week of November. And, you know, every single November for my entire life, I had spent, you know, in cooler weather with pants and sweatshirts and everything. So I didn't really know how to pack. And so I got down and I did not have a single pair of shorts. I only had um, pants and tank tops. And I was regretting that immediately because it was so hot and humid and I had never experienced 80 degrees in November. So I learned that quickly. Um, In terms of campus wide or campus wise, I guess um, I love Charlotte uh, just because it's kind of up on a hill. It's, it's very um, not rustic is the wrong word. All the buildings have a very pretty red brick um, that just makes it like a beautiful campus to look at. And it's in the hills and the trees. And I was just there this past fall for our um, soccer championship. And it was like the perfect time of year because the leaves were changing colors. And it did remind me of my um, Midwest roots and being being able to see the, the leaves change colors and experience a fall or an autumn because I don't really get that in Texas. It kind of just goes from being really warm and really hot to I guess what you would call quote unquote colds down here. So um, those are a couple of my favorites. Norfolk is really cool too, just because of the base. That's really um, not on campus, but nearby. Um, And you can get some good, good seafood as well. Obviously you get good seafood in um, Florida as well. So that's, that's another thing. If you ask me which my favorite food is, that's, that's another question besides my favorite cities and why. (laughs) You know, once again, you're jumping on, on the uh, on the question because Joe is gonna is gonna cover your food recommendations. Uh, there you go. I, I once again am bewildered. You know, as a Floridian, I don't know what this I don't own shorts or didn't bring shorts life is because I, I all I own are shorts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
And I'm glad you mentioned Charlotte's campus because I, I wrote a, an article for, for our website uh, ranking my my favorite stadiums in order, and I put Charlotte's in the in the top half of CUSA. And you did a better job of, of elocuting why Charlotte's campus and stadium is so nice because the fact that it's up on a hill. Um, mm-hmm. But Jerry Richardson Stadium as a whole is just it's phenomenal, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we're going to transition just to my last question here, last few questions here for you. Um, which has been, and once again, I don't want to pin you down to just one, but what have been some of your favorite environments in terms of stadiums, in terms of fans, and maybe the, the stadium as a whole, you know, fans being enthusiastic and things of that nature? What's kind of been some of your favorite environments that you've been in in Conference USA? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I luckily have been to, I think, a game at every single one of our stadiums in my last four years. Um, like I like I was saying earlier, the UAB environment that first game back was insane. It was incredible because the whole city had rallied around them to bring football back, and so they all came out that Saturday um, to watch them play Alabama A&M. So that that was really cool. Um, a couple years ago, well, I guess it was my first year, um, would have been December of 2015 when WKU hosted the conference championship for their first of their back-to-back. Um, that was a really great environment because their fans, that was their first, um, you know, conference USA championship for football. And they all came out wanting to see, you know, what, what the guys could do, Brandon Dowdy and all those, um, teams were there and, or all those players were there and Jeff Brown was leading the squad. So that was really cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I I personally, and maybe this is a bad, uh, not not necessarily that it's a bad environment, but I have only been to one game out at the Sun Bowl um, at UTEP. But it is, if you haven't seen it, it's super super cool. It's pretty much you have mountains on one side and then like Mexico's on the other, and so it's it's a really cool environment just to have a stadium. Um I'm trying to even think which game it was that I was out there for. I think that was my first year in the league too. Um UTEP versus maybe Florida Atlantic, I'm not quite sure. Um but that's always nice. Charlotte Charlotte's um stadium is super nice and it's a little more condensed than some of our other stadiums, so generally they can fill the place pretty well. Um and then the the Rock at Southern Miss. That their fans will come out and that place is rocking. Um, there's a couple games that I've been to. I think one year I was there for a homecoming game, um, an evening homecoming game, and that place there, it was filled. All the fans are crazy because, like I said, in, in Hattiesburg, that's the place to be on a Saturday night at the Rock and watching the Golden Eagles play. So I guess those are a couple. I mean, but like I said, I, I'm very lucky. I've been to games at all of our stadiums um and they all are they're beautiful the hospitality from all of our schools are great um and the fans that come out and support we we encourage and we love that um for them to be able to be as proud and cheer for our schools like we are at the conference office well maddie i'm glad you mentioned southern miss you know i think you've helped us win back some of our southern miss fan base that we may or may not have alienated on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that aside, uh, we covered one goal. of the oddball questions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We we covered one of the oddball questions that I was going to ask you to a certain FAU fan who does listen to this podcast. Maddie is not six three, as he uh, uh, was very confident in in stating. But the other one I've I've got for you is as a graduate of, of Missouri, um, Shakespeare's 
I've been told that it is overrated. Oh. Uh, can you confirm oh. or deny that? Oh, my gosh. I would never say it's overrated. I actually love Shakespeare's. Um, I mean, it's not it's not Chicago deep dish pizza. It's not New York pizza, but... I I mean I still love it. I now that you're talking about it, I I'm, I'm, I'm kind of craving it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you you've, you've covered that because I, I was told by by a source. Once again, I won't say who, but he, he is a Mizzou grad working in the industry that uh, Shakespeare is overrated, and instead oh. I should make the drive to I believe it's at St. Louis for somewhere uh, pizza and somewhere that he knows. So. Oh, my uh, gosh. You, well, you, if you want to drive an that. hour and a half to get pizza, then you can. But I'm telling you, you won't regret going to Shakespeare's. I think I've recommended it to everyone who I know who goes through, and they all love it. So I guess it'll be my word versus his. <laughs> all right, Joe. For the record. What? All of Eric's sources are pizza-related, for the record. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. There there it is, Joe. Now that I've I've, uh, I've failed to nail down Maddie as far as choosing one specific fan base over another, but uh, it's, uh, it's all you, buddy. You got it. Speaking in that uh, in that realm of travel and visiting these other towns, um, one of the consistent things we find ourselves talking about with uh, with guests as well as ourselves on this show is food within COSA towns. So, Maddie, um, we we mentioned we were going to inevitably ask you for food recommendations. Uh, what are some of your favorite places to eat as you travel amongst all the different COSA schools and cities? Well, I you're going to get mad at me again because I'm going to start talking about Southern Miss again. Every time I'm in Hattiesburg or even near Hattiesburg, like we were just in Biloxi, which is, I think, an hour and 15, hour and a half south of Hattiesburg for our baseball championship. And I was, we were considering driving up to Hattiesburg to have Letha's. Um, it is probably some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Very small. It's literally in like a little small house. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I think you can get to it with directions, but it's kind of hard to find because it's like off of the interstate behind a Dairy Queen and like the darkness. But it, you will not regret if you go to Hattiesburg, you need to find Lisa's. Um, and literally everyone I know tells me that they that's like their go to place in Hattiesburg. Even people who live there, I think, like going there. Um, so that's number one on my list. Every time I'm there, I need to go. Um, another, I'm a big barbecue person too, so it doesn't matter really, I guess, the, the type or the style. Um, there's a place in Charlotte, and it's in. It's not close to campus really. It's kind of in like their uptown area, which is almost downtown. So I guess from campus, it's like a 20, 25-minute drive. Um, but Midwood Smokehouse is also really good. Um, I think I got that recommendation from either one of my coworkers or my dad travels there a lot for work. Um, and so he recommended because he knows that I like barbecue. And it's not as, um, you know, homey as Lisa's, but it's still still really good food. Um, and those are, I know, this sounds really bad. Those are like the only two that I can like think of like the names off the top of my head um, just because I feel like a lot of them I know based off of location. Like um, I think whenever I'm in Florida Atlantic, I normally go to Flanagan's, which is fairly close to campus. And I know that that's probably not like a big, nice, fancy place. Um, but I normally always go there just because a lot of times when I travel, I'm by myself. And so if I'm there on like a, 
Saturday for after the game, I'm just looking for a place to get a bite to eat and maybe a beverage and watch kind of the rest of the games that are going on. Or um, I think actually when we were there for soccer, we stayed at a hotel that was right across the street. Um, but that I know I know we were there a couple years ago. What would that have been? Twenty. 17 when we were there for the football championship and we went to some really nice um uh seafood place i I don't know what the name of it was but it was good and it was right on the beach it was kind of a drive this is not helping at all because i don't have the name for anyone but just look for nice on the beach places in florida for some good seafood but um yeah and then i like i said i i've been to all the campuses El Paso was the one I probably went to the furthest to go, but I remember getting some really good Mexican food um, in El Paso because, like I said, you're you're right there next to Mexico, um, and it's just a very you know Hispanic Hispanic town, Hispanic feel, and got some really good Mexican there. I've also now that I'm now that now I'm thinking, and I don't know the names of places, but I've been to some good places along the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Um, there's you know there's a couple divey type places in at North Texas up in Denton, which is, I mean, right up the road. So I could probably go there for my lunch if I really wanted to. Um, and now I'm just rambling about food and now I'm sorry, now I'm hungry. It's fine. That's what half the show is most of the time. Anyway. <laughs> um, Eric, so hopefully that answered well enough. <laughs> Eric, text Butch when we're done and figure out what that seafood place is. So probably no. Um, yeah. <laughs> With my great description. Right. I was no. gonna say it, it. It literally sounds like she's talking about uh, uh, Joe Stone Crab. So you know, Butch invited Joe and I over there. So you're you're spot on. It could be. We'll have to check it out. We'll, we'll say we'll say it's that. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> right. You're right. It's probably the second recommendation we've gotten for that place on this show so far. So uh, they owe us money, the way I see it. Anyway. There you uh, go. Yeah. Uh, so as far as um, television distribution for games, it certainly uh, seems like CUSA stepped up their game in the last few years. Uh, this year, for example, you can find Conference USA football on CBS Sports Network, the ESPN family of networks, Stadium, Facebook Live, and NFL Network. Um, so, Maddie, can you talk a little bit about how this new TV deal came to be with the NFL network as well as all of these, these major networks and kind of what the future holds for conference USA football and how uh, games will be distributed on television and streaming platforms. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of those conversations are held above my head. So I don't know a lot of the reasons behind it and why um, I do know that our contract with BN was up. Um, and so we were looking for another um, option to have our games be broadcasted somewhere um, and the NFL Network, I think, is an amazing opportunity for us. Um, we will be the only thing on that channel at 2.30 every Saturday. Well, I guess for 10 Saturdays. Um, but, you know, I guess the only thing we'll, we'll be competing with, really, will be the SECs on CBS. That's also, I think, in that same time slot. But um, I'm I'm personally very excited about that. I think a lot of people in our office are very excited about that. Um, I hope our coaches and our student-athletes are excited about that, just with kind of the tie-in with the NFL and being able to, you know, say, oh, you know, mom, grandma, dad, I play, I'm playing on the NFL network, like, for a, for a kid. That probably is, like, just unbelievable for them. Um, stadium, which we've had now for a couple of years, is really, I think, where kind of 
TV almost is going. Um, I'm a millennial myself, and so I love the ease of being able to log on to Facebook or go on my phone on Twitter and pull up a game while I'm at my sister's you know, soccer game or, you know, I'm out to dinner with friends and they're boring me. I can always pull up my game or know what's going on and follow along just, and that's just about what, where this digital age is kind of going and where things are going. And, um, I know some of our fans are not the biggest fans because they're used to turning on their TV to a certain channel. And, you know, I, I am like that in some regards, but being able to also in this, in this, um, way when you can pull up a game on Facebook and on Twitter and on, um, you know, your tablet and on your laptop. I can be watching three or four of our Conference USA games at once, which is awesome because I try to follow along with all of them. Um, so selfishly, I love it. Um, and then, like you said, with ESPN Plus and ESPN3, um, that's been a big project um, with my boss and our department kind of is when I started, a lot of our schools weren't um, at the level to produce games like that um, and to that level. But now that we've gotten everyone on board, just being able to, you know, kind of have that familiar name of ESPN or I personally think it's easier for fans to be able to type in watch ESPN in their browser and be able to pick their game um, and, you know, it, it just kind of has a, a, a better feel um, because, you know, you, ha- you have ESPN tied with it. So I definitely think, um, and obviously CBS, CBS is CBS. They, they've been with us for the last, as long as I've been here, we've had, um, you know, our, our different championships, whether it be football or other championships with them. And we love working with them. And I think they love co- covering Conference USA. Like I said, Carter Blackburn is a good friend of the league and has been, I think this year he did the trifecta. He covered our, he did um, our football championship, our baseball championship and our basketball championship. So, you know, just being able to have a relationship like that and someone who knows the league is very nice. Um, but like I said, I think we're definitely trending in the right direction and I'm very excited um, about where, you know, the future is going technologically wise, but also um, where we are going to be able to, you know, promote our teams and our, our players. For sure. Just this whole era of digital distribution, I'm completely all for it. I think Eric, I've talked about it before where on Saturdays when uh, games are happening and they're being broadcast just on like on Twitter and on Facebook live, it's so easy to pull up when you're just stuck in line at target or something and you can catch, you know, as much of the game as you can, regardless of what you're doing. So I, I personally love this strategy and where the conference is going in that regard. Um, but Maddie, you've been with the league for a few years now, since since 2015, I believe. So in, in that time, what do you think is the biggest difference between uh, the league now and uh, when you started there that you've noticed? I'll kind of piggyback on what I was just saying, just how everything has evolved technologically. And I guess maybe that's because that's kind of the space in the world that I live and work in. Um, When I started, we actually produced an in-house show. Um, We have a studio here and we we brought in a co-host for me. And each week we would, you know, put together a half hour show and the Mondays were used for writing the script and the Tuesday we would film. And then on Tuesday afternoon and evening and Wednesday morning, my boss would kind of put it all together for distribution. And then from there, we would kind of break the 
sections up and put them out on social media, which now looking back, it's like, why would we have put out a six minute piece on social media just talking about like all these different games? So actually, after my first year of doing that, we um, got rid of the show and kind of started focusing on social media and how to attack it social, you know, how to attack the social space and what people like to see and um my own department, the multimedia department, which I'm a part of here, has grown immensely in the last four years just because of um, the need to and and the kind of emphasis that is being put on social media. You know, people people want to see the cool graphics of, you know, the, the players, but they also want to see the hype videos and they also want to, you know, be able to watch a minute and a half preview of a game. And that just takes a lot of people to do a lot of that. So we've been able to adapt and fortunately add people to our department who do a great job of helping us um, create a lot of content that we're able to put out on social media. Um, again, going on that, being able to get our games on social media, that that never happened in four years ago when I started, you know, it was all linear on TV and and then even even two years ago there weren't games on Facebook or Twitter and I think I don't think we were the first, but I think we were one of the first to have a, a football game broadcasted on um on Twitter through Stadium um and being able to kind of, you know, be a part of that groundbreaking world and era, I guess, now that we're now entering and are a part of. And um, then also, like I said, getting all of our schools kind of up to speed on on their video, you know, needs, whether that's having a video guy who's able to get us good highlights of almost all of our, you know, sports during their seasons or being able to put together these awesome ESPN3, ESPN Plus productions um, that we're putting out for, for all to see. Um, that's, I guess, the biggest, biggest change for me in my, in my four years, luckily, um, we haven't had any realignment. So I've had, I've had the same four schools. I know we had, um, some shakeup right before I got here. We had added some schools when the American kind of created, um, their conference. So I'm very fortunate in that as long as I've been here for four years, I've had the same four, four, uh, you know, same schools all four years. And, uh, with that, I also have been able to have a lot of the same coaches stick around too. So now they now they seem like family to me almost. I, I came in not knowing a lot about Conference USA, kind of coming from the Midwest, and I grew up a Big 12 fan because my parents both went to Iowa State. So and then Missouri was in the Big 12 when I first started out there, and then changed to an SEC SEC girl. But you know, I didn't know a lot about Conference USA and. Now I feel like that's all I know about sometimes because I can just rattle off facts and talk about it with anyone about anything. So, um, but yeah, that's to answer your question. That's I guess the biggest difference is kind of just where things have gone in terms of social media and technology and everything. Uh, you mentioned all the coaches in this league and how there hasn't been a ton of turnover in your time there, um, but in all the roles that you've had with the league and uh, covering it for, for the number of years that you've done that um, you've interacted with those coaches quite a bit. Who has surprised you the most, do you think in terms of just how they interact with people and kind of conduct themselves overall? Well, I have to say that first off, all the coaches um, are 
super sweet and super nice to me. I always say, though, that I'm not the one who's playing for them, so I don't get to see them sometimes get angry or irritated at practice. I'm normally talking to them after a win or, you know, kind of in, in a downtime, and I just have a different role. So they're honestly all, you know, the sweetest, nicest, whether it's a male coach or a female coach, you know, for whatever sport. They're always so nice um, to me, and I, like I said, I, I love interacting with them and talking to them. I guess in terms of football, um, not the biggest surprise, but I just didn't know what to expect when Lane Kiffin joined the league. Um, obviously, there had been so many stories, and you hear about him, and, you know, he he coached at Alabama when Alabama beat Mizzou in the SEC championship. So not that I wasn't a fan of him because, you know, he is a good coach and does a good job, but I just really didn't know what to expect. <laughs> um, and I don't think a lot of people did. Um, but in meeting with him and kind of being around him, he's um, – probably unlike what most people would imagine or he he's definitely changed from I guess what his perception used to be back in the day um one thing I do know and I love to see and I got to experience this a couple years ago when we had the football championship there his kids were around and he loves his kids um I remember after the game I was walking around. We had a Twitter mirror that I was, you know, letting the players in the locker room take pictures with and, you know, sign it or do, you know, gifts or just silly things. And and I walked outside the locker room and Lane's standing there with his uh, two daughters and son. And he was like, hey, that, uh, that what's that thing that you have? And I was like, oh, it's it's called a Twitter mirror. Like, do you do you want to take a picture? Like, I didn't know if Coach wanted to take a picture. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Is, is it okay if my son does? And so I was like, oh, for sure. And so I have a couple uh, pictures of Knox, and I think maybe me, me and him too. I don't even know. But he he is like such a such a family man, which is really cool to see. But then, you know, I, I got to interact with a lot of our coaches and their kids, um, you know, the last – four years when I was covering Middle Tennessee, Brent Soxdell was the quarterback and, you know, his his dad just loved their relationship is so special. Um so just kind of getting to see them not in their coaching roles is very cool too. Um because in, in our situations like Media Day, you know, they're there to answer interview questions and, you know, on the field they're in the zone, whether they're coaching at a you know, when I talk to them at a halftime interview or after the game, you know, they're celebrating a win. So but being able to kind of see them whether it's a couple of days before the championship and just seeing them around or um, it's just, it's, it's always so, so nice to be able to see the different sides of people. And like I said, all of our coaches are amazingly nice. They're all gentlemen. Um, and I, you know, they, they almost seem like not second dads to me. That sounds weird, but just like, you know, nice uncles to have around that. And I'm sure, I'm sure they, they, you know, because I've been around for four years, they feel comfortable enough with me to, you know, kind of have that interaction or that relationship as opposed to, you know, just a new person coming in that they don't know. But I've, I've been very lucky and fortunate to have like build that um, repertoire with those people. So it's been, it's been super nice. Um, And I love all of our coaches. (laughs) They all give off good dad vibes. It sounds like. Oh yeah. I'm sure if, if they're not dads, I'm sure they'll all be great dads if they are, you know, and then most of them I think are dads. So it'll, it'll, It'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm I'm very excited. We do have two new football coaches joining the league this year. Um Coach Halton at WKU and Coach Healy at Charlotte. So 
Uh, I'll get to meet them in about a month when we have them here for football media days. And, you know, I feel like all of our coaches and I think our conference staff does a very good job of being very welcoming for when um, new people join. So I'm sure I'm sure they'll fit right in right away. Yeah, from uh, the limited interactions that I've seen people have with with Coach Elton and Coach Healy, it seems like they'll fit right in. Um, but uh, Maddie, right before we let you go here, um, what are you particularly excited about for this upcoming football season in terms of teams or individuals or uh, you know coaches that uh, you're looking for big things from in, in 2019? Honestly, I just am excited for football season to be here in general. Football, just as a a sports fan, football is my favorite sport to watch. I can watch any level, any team. Um, In the fall, it's always on in my house. Um, So I'm very lucky that I have 14 schools in Conference USA to pay attention to because generally I can put on a Conference USA game. Um, But even on... You know, on Sundays, if my Chicago Bears aren't playing, I'll throw on another game or I'll tune into every Thursday night or Sunday night game or Monday night game, you know, even if I'm if I have no vested interest in the team. So I'm I'm first and foremost just excited for football season to start. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, if we can pull off any more big upsets over some power five schools. I know a lot of our teams do a good job of trying to schedule harder opponents um, and in those power five teams, you know, and going into their house or having them come, come to our schools. So, you know, I can't say that there's one in particular that I think is going to happen or that I hope happens, but I just hope we have at least one. Um, And then I just, in terms of conference play, I just hope it's competitive. I love, I love when it comes down. It seems like, Every single year that I've been here, it always almost comes down to the last weekend or two of the regular season whenever we find out where we're going and who's going to be playing in the championship, Um, which always just makes it exciting. I mean, it's kind of stressful from a planning perspective. And, you know, two or three weeks out, we're talking to three or four or five different schools trying to make sure they're all ready to host the championship. Um, But it just makes it more competitive when, you know, you have three or four teams that are vying for a spot in the East or, you know, two or three vying for a spot in the West. And I just... I just, you know, obviously I want everyone to do well and everyone to win, but unfortunately that doesn't happen when you're all playing each other. Um, so I, I'm just excited to see, you know, and like I said, I'm excited to see what the new two new coaches bring to the league. Um, obviously, you know, when you start in a, a job, you're not going to be able to turn things around right away, but, you know, just the progress and the process of everything um, you know, see see what UAB can do after they lost a decent amount of upperclassmen, but they, they still have some returners coming back from, from that championship squad. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just excited for football season to start, honestly. Not that I want to fast forward through summer in the slower time, but especially with the NBA Finals not being on anymore and the, the Stanley Cup being over, I'm like, what am I supposed to be watching, like, sports-wise? I need, I need something to watch. So I'm just ready for football to get here. <laughs> For sure. I think a lot of us can uh, relate to that sentiment. Um, for those of you looking to follow more of uh, Maddie Morris's work uh, with COSA and uh, all the stuff that she does, you can follow her on Twitter at M-A-D-I underscore C-U-S-A. Uh, she also has a personal website, MaddieMorris.com. And then, of course, uh, if you follow any of the uh, Conference USA Twitter handles, uh, odds are she has a hand in making some of the content that goes into those. 
Um, and then as far as Eric and myself, you can follow us on Twitter at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. And Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. And then, of course, Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, check out the site every day for more G5 football goodness. Um, next week, I believe we're going to have uh, some of the guys from the Hustle Belt website on the show to talk about Conference USA versus MAC football matchups. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, until then, happy football watching, everybody, and have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.